Let's go. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay standing, please, for the reading of the Word. Reading today from the NIV, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so sorry, right? Okay. All right, okay, so let's, let's, let's do it again. All right, I'm going to situate myself here. Um. All right, so chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Um, all right, so let me just uh, pick up again from verse uh, 21 of chapter 5 into chapter 6. So God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers... And that, you can put yourself there too because you are, if you love the Lord, you are also a co-worker of God. We urge you to receive God's grace, to not receive God's grace in vain. See how easy that would have been? It would have changed the whole thing. 
We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for this privilege today. Lord, to stand before your people, Lord. Lord, to share your word. Father, I don't... I feel humbled, Lord, for this privilege. And, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would take control now, take preeminence in here, Lord, and that the very words of my heart, mouth and the meditations of my heart might be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open, Lord, today. Lord, not to hear some impressive word, Lord, but be open, Lord, to hear from you, Lord, and to be encouraged, Lord, and to know that, Lord, your grace was given to us and that we should be careful to make sure we're not, we did not receive it in vain, Lord. And I pray today that you would strengthen us, that we would be energized, that we would, be, uh, we would leave here, Lord, feeling a sense of security in Christ. We would leave here with a, a measure of sincerity, a new desire to serve you, a new desire to uh, honor you in the way we live our lives, and that our lives might be uh, a testimony, a testament, Lord, of your goodness and your mercy, uh, so that, Lord, others might see Christ in us, Lord, and know that he is the only hope for this world. We love you. We bless you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. If you love the Lord, say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you love him, say amen. amen. If you love him, say praise God. Hallelujah. You sound like you love him. <laughs> Amen. Well, I want to uh, kind of uh, introduce this to you today. Uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, I was reading this uh, in my devotions. Um, chapter 5, all of chapter 5, uh, where Paul is dealing with the ministry of reconciliation. And um, I entered chapter 6. These are familiar passages to me. As I began to read... Um, Chapter 6, verse 1, the, the, the first clause uh, really stood out to me. And I, I paused and I said, oh, my God, help me, Lord, help me. And I began to ask myself the question, did you receive God's grace in vain? Did I receive his grace in vain? As, you know, we, we, we can read and we can go right over that statement and that and, and, and not even see that the Apostle Paul is urging, as a matter of fact, it says, he says he's urging the church to make sure, this is the church of Corinth, make sure they did not receive God's grace in vain. Why? He's, if you, if you really look at the word urge there, it's very, very important in the context of what he's saying. He's saying, I earnestly, persistently persuade you, make sure you have not received 
God's grace in vain. I mean, I, and it struck me as to what, what does that really mean? And, and, and why? Why would he say that in the middle of giving what's like a treatise of reconciliation? He's, he's speaking to the church. There's a lot of problems in this church, as a matter of fact. There's incest. There's sexual immorality. There's boasting among some of the leadership about apostleship. Uh, and who's a super apostle? And that Paul's, he's not as, 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 as powerful as he makes out to be in his letters. There's all kinds of things going on in here. And he, uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is appealing to them to be reconciled to God and to make sure that you know who you are. That God has done something for you. And if you believe that the tomb is empty today, if you know for sure that Jesus Christ is alive, if you know for sure that he is God's gift of salvation and he lives in you, then you know you are, 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation in Christ. You are a new person. You're not the same old person who everybody else knew. You know, uh, uh, you are a different person because that's what happens when Jesus comes into our hearts. But the thing about it is we have to step back a little bit to understand what exactly is the driving force behind this, this statement. I urge you, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Now, Adam and Eve, we blame them all the time, right? Because they're the ones who sinned. They're the ones who messed up. They're the ones who uh, caused us not to uh, be in constant fellowship with God. They're the ones, and we blame them. And, and, but do we ever really put ourselves kind of like in their place for a moment to think, okay, they messed up, they sinned. What did it feel like for them? Here, they were in the presence of God on a daily basis probably. The Lord would come probably and visit with them. They were in a, in a, in a, in a perfect environment. Uh, no challenges probably. You know, not like we have today in this nation, right? All kinds of things going crazy, right? Uh, and so life was easy. I think about it this way, that they were able to call any of the animals they wanted to. First God asked them to name them, and so they, they knew all the animals. And, and they were in, uh, uh, they were cohabiting with the animals, and, and there was no aggression from like a lion or a tiger or anything like that, right? You know, maybe, maybe Adam was able to, to call out to the head lion and say, hey, lion, come over here, you know, and so forth. But everything was in harmony, you know what I'm saying? And so what that meant was that Adam and Eve were in a, in a reconciliatory relationship with God and with his creation. When sin entered, that reconciliatory position was broken. Because God could not stand in the presence of sin. Now God showed them mercy. He could have just wiped them out. Start all over. He showed mercy. That mercy is what has kept, gone through the ages, has kept humanity. Yes, we had a flood, but again, he showed mercy through Noah and his family. And all the way through, mercy has been the thing that has kept us. 
Lamentations 3.22, Jeremiah the prophet says it is because of God's love or his mercy, the King James says, why we are not consumed. And he continues to say, and his mercies are new every morning. His compassions, oh, hallelujah, never fails, hallelujah. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. And it's that grace, that, that mercy, put it that way. It's that mercy of God, that love of God that has carried us and carried humanity through till Jesus came. Now when Jesus came, things began to change. Yes, we had what is always known in the church history as the dispensation of the law. For Israel, and they were under the law and all of that. It all ended when Jesus went to the cross. And a new time, a new time in human history came on the scene. It's called the dispensation of grace. Uh, it is believed by many that it started uh, on the day of Pentecost. But I kind of like to think of it that the moment Jesus came, <laughs> grace entered. Right? Amen? Right? So uh, that's... The way I, I feel that, uh, that God's grace began to uh, replace the law because people could not live by the law. It was just too difficult. Because if you broke one law, you broke them all, right? And so guilty, 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 right? As a matter of fact, that's probably what the priest had to say, I think, before he offered up the sacrifice. Guilty, I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. And God would forgive him. And so he could actually offer up the sacrifice for the nation. And so we find that grace came in because of a, number, a couple things. The primary thing is that the law could not save. The law was incapable of reconciling humanity to God. So we saw Israel, and, we, and today they're still in the same place as it were. They're still in the same place of being irreconciled to God. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 speaks clearly to that. He says to the Gentile church, writing to Rome, but writing to the church in Rome, he says, don't boast because Israel, they, many of them were broken off so that you could come in to the family of God. No, God chose to make them jealous by allowing us, by showing us, ex giving us his grace to allow us to come in to be saved. And so he said, don't boast because a day will come, verse 25, when the full number of Gentiles will be saved. Listen to me, church. There's a day coming when we call the dispensation of grace is going to be over. And nobody will be able to be saved through grace. It might go back to mercy. But grace will be over. The full number of Gentiles will be saved. And if you're here today and you're not saved, look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says in chapter 6 verse 1, In the time God says, in the time of my favor... That's in the time of my merciful kindness to humanity. Listen to what he says. In the time of my merciful kindness, I heard you. So let me tell you today, if you're here, God through the Holy Spirit 
is crying out to you. Pastor Mark talked about earlier on about uh, being saved uh, and salvation. And some of the songs pointed to that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you have not asked Jesus to come into your heart, today is your day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 3.15. If you hear the word of God, don't harden your hearts. Like in the provocation in the time when Israel provoked God to anger. No, today can be your day of salvation. Today can be the day when Jesus, the word salvation in the Greek means savior. The one who saves me, comes to save me from something, right? Save me from God's wrath, God's judgment. So today, if you're here, understand that there's only two course, two paths that life of life that humanity can take. It's either that we're on the narrow road that leads to life eternal, or we're on the broad road that leads to hell, eternal separation from God. But grace... It's the time of God's grace, and it's available to all of us here. God lavished his grace. And what is his grace, really? Let me just read a definition of grace for you that I found. It says, grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, charm, loving, loveliness, goodwill. Loving kindness, favor. That's all that God loves you. He wants to charm you. He wants to show you his sweetness, his kindness today. And all of that is wrapped up in Jesus. Then he goes on to say, it's the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls. We were singing about souls a while ago. In other words, God exerted his holy influence through his Holy Spirit. That's so, so when you, hear the, when you hear that little voice speaking to you, that's the Holy Spirit saying you need to give your heart to Christ. There's a day in my life as a, as a, as a preteen, I probably was about 10, I think, and there was a, there was a person here from, from the U.S., a missionary, uh, and they were having a convention uh, uh, at my church, and he was preaching. And I heard about Jesus. No, I, I never heard about Jesus before. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up in church. Church was like uh, 20 yards from my house. My parents made sure I'm there every time the doors opened. I mean, I used to wonder why my siblings, why do they get away? Why can't they say their tummy aches, they have a headache? And my parents just say, okay, it's fine, you don't have to go. But for me, I had to be there. You know what I'm saying? I had to. I mean, I, I, I had to be in church so much that uh, I had to tow the bell when, they, when someone dies. You know, there's a special towing of the big bell, and you have to do it in rhythm. I mean, I had to be there to set up the sound system. So I was learning all these things, but I had to be there. So on Sunday, it was Sunday morning service. Then Sunday after evening, it was youth meeting. Then Sunday night, it was uh, night service. Then Monday night, it was prayer meeting. Then Tuesday night, it was choir practice. Then Wednesday night, it was Bible study. Then Thursday night, it was youth meeting again. And then Friday night, it was choir practice again. And then Saturday, it was Youth for Christ. You all have it easy. 
I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, I needed grace. I needed God's mercy to balance school. I was an athlete also. I mean, yeah, I mean, not 10, but as I went into my teenage years. But the same was true. It never changed. My father, would, he was like, look, my parents only had a third grade education. And I'm, I'm deviating a little bit here, but I can do it. Um, a third grade education, right? But listen, they couldn't teach us. There were six of us. Um, three boys, three girls. That's right, yeah. They, they, couldn't, they, they couldn't teach us, but, but uh, five of us, no, actually, yeah, five of us were at home, yes. But they couldn't teach us the Bible, all right? So what they, I believe, maybe they coordinated this and they agreed that we're going to make them go to church every time the doors open. Because that's how they're going to learn. Um, in our Sunday school, Sunday school was like this. Every Sunday school class, you had to memorize a Bible verse. Next, bring it the next Sunday. So I knew for the 50, how many weeks, 52 weeks of the year, 52 Bible verses. That's how I grew up. So I could quote scriptures. I could quote them. And then, uh, you know, because that's how I grew up, right? I just knew the scripture, right? But that's the life I grew up in. And many times I felt rebellion in my heart because I felt like, why, is my, why my friends are able to go to the movies why are they able to go do this and I can't do it? If I, I can't even ask about going to the movies. Because my dad, I mean, just opening up his eyes. I asked my wife. He's, he's with the Lord. But my, my dad, his eyes look like they had fire in them. So when, he, and when he's mad, when he's upset, he changed color. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. He just changed color. He turned different color. Uh, and I tell you this, God, God was gracious to me that I didn't die at his hands. But, but, but that, that's how I grew up. Uh, once upon a time, and this is the last thing I'm telling you. Once upon a time, uh, a gang threatened me. And my dad, these are about 25 guys in this gang. And he heard that they were threatening me. And it was for nothing. They were just mad at me for something. And they just hated me because I could do a lot of different things. You know, people just hate you and, and so forth. And he put me in this car. And I'm like, 16. I'm saying, where are, you, where are we going? He says, we're going down there. That's to their turf. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to die tonight. <laughs> you know, he took me down there. And when he heard, I'm telling you, my dad, he's not a big, he's not a tall guy, but he's a wide guy. And he got big arms. And, he be, and when he heard, he changed color. His eyes looked like fire. And, his, and he, he was like, Sweat was dropping from his brow. I thought it was going to turn to blood. I mean, seriously. But he was like, he was that kind of guy. And people respected him. He's a, he was a powerful guy. And so I wasn't going to mess with him. You know, if he says go to church, I'm heading to church. You know, <laughs> and then I'll go to church and I'll, I'll rebel over when I get to church. But, you know, I realized something that it was God's grace. And all along, the same reconciliation that Adam and Eve needed but couldn't have I had through, because Jesus had come Jesus had died and you can have today you don't have to worry about being estranged from God you know when David sinned he had to go down in, in sackcloth and ash sacrifices had to be offered those days animal sacrifices for sin to be forgiven. 
by God. Uh, we, uh, look, if that were true today, we would be in trouble. I, I, I can hardly see a rabbit these days. I, I, there's no pigeons around, no turtle doves. Every now and then I see a deer. I don't know what to do with them. I mean, where would I get an animal from to sacrifice? I couldn't. But God knew that, see, ahead of time. That us Gentiles could not do that. And so he, from Adam's sin, was going to make a way. Hallelujah. Uh, a way of grace. A way of reconciliation. That we could be brought back into fellowship with him. I mean, that's love that is, uh, I can't comprehend that kind of love. That God would have. The Bible says God was reconciling us, as was read by Miss Jody, um, reconciling the world to himself. You know, and, and so, oh, I'm sorry, that is Hebrew, I'm sorry, that's Ephesians chapter 2. And it's a beautiful passage, and, and let me just go over there, because it, it says uh, something very important here. Uh, verse 2, uh, and it says, um, as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We didn't deserve God's mercy. We didn't deserve his grace. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And I'm going to jump over to verse, uh, to, uh, and then it says, for by grace, verse 8, we have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We can't boast because it is God. It's grace alone, only his grace that saved us. And verse 11 says, therefore remember the formerly that you, were, are, you who are Gentiles. Listen, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Listen, remember that at that time you were separate, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away, hallelujah, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. If that doesn't deserve a hallelujah, I don't know what deserves a hallelujah. What else can I say to you today except that is God's grace. God's grace was exhibited in the love of Christ, in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. The Bible says, he who had no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God's grace. God, as it were, extended to us who didn't deserve it. The Bible says, we were not even a people, and we became the people of God. We didn't deserve his mercy. Didn't deserve this loving kindness. This merciful kindness. Uh, it, it, we didn't deserve it. And it says, it kindles us to the exercise of Christian virtue. In other words, to be able to live, to please God. How do you live today? 
if you're here and you're a believer, have you received God's grace in vain? In other words, since you, since you got saved, since God offered you salvation, since the day of salvation came for you, since he reconciled you to himself and now calls you his own, and you know, we, we take pride in that. Especially when we, when, we, when we get saved and then we get baptized. It's the most divine thing. You know, when we go into that, that pool and, the, and we come up, you know, it's like everything changes, right? But since that day, since that moment in time, how has it been for you? What kind of virtue is, is ex being exhibited in your life? How are you living? Listen to me, church. Make no mistake. God is going to judge the world for his grace, for stepping on his son. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in John 5 that the father has handed all judgment to the son because he is the son of man. Jesus is going to be our judge because he's gonna be, we're going to be judged for rejecting him. We're going to be judged for what we did after we received him. And declared here that we have been reconciled to the Father through him. What have we done with his grace? How are you living today? We're living in a day and age, church. And I know I have to speed up now. When, look, we're being pressured by government. We're being pressured by society. Uh, we're being pressured in schools to, 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 to forget God. Forget Anything about grace, don't. Because according to Oprah and a lot of other, one of these people, grace is just there for all of us. You know, we don't need to do nothing. You know, it's God, we're never going to go to hell. We're never going to be judged. God's going to just receive us. We're all going to heaven. All of us are God's children and we're all going to heaven. No, it's not true. We're not all God's children. Not even Israel is regarded today as God's children. They're only regarded as God's children or people through the covenant God had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers. As a matter of fact, if you read Romans 11, it will tell you that they are out of fellowship with God. As a matter of fact, it's going to take, an, uh, uh, it's only because of that covenant that cannot be broken why Israel will be saved. God is going to judge us for what we did with his son. God is going to judge us, church. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. I know we don't like to hear the word judgment for what we did since we got saved. How are you living? Uh, is grace, is God's grace being poured out in your life? Or uh, is there, can anybody see uh, the fruit of it? Being poured into your life. Listen, the Bible says in John, as he as he as he he he, he uh, brings to us the resume of Jesus Christ in John one, and he he gets to verse fifteen, verse sixteen, and he says, "Out of the fullness of His love, God has poured upon us grace in place of grace, grace upon grace." Oh, hallelujah. Listen, church, it goes like this. That God's grace brought Jesus. 
And Jesus, because of what he did for us, God says, now that I, you have received my son and my gift of grace and forgiveness and salvation and you've been reconciled to me, you need grace? Grace, 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 grace. I'm going to just pour it out on, upon you. Grace, 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 grace. You need grace, grace, grace. The songwriter says, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder in Calvary's mount or port, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Do you need grace today? Do you need pardon today from your sin? God's grace is here. And His grace is sufficient for your sin. But we cannot say we don't have God's grace. We're never going to be able to stand before God and say, but you didn't give me any grace. You didn't show me no mercy. You didn't show me any love. Because Jesus is standing there too. And you're going to be able to see the nails in his hands. You're going to be able to see where the thorns pierced his brow. You're going to be able to see where the lance pierced his side. And you're never going to be able to accuse God of not being gracious and merciful to you. What? How have you received God's grace? Is it in vain? I ask you today. Because, listen, are you adding something to your life? Can someone say that you're becoming more loving? Because if we've got God's grace, we like to talk about the fruit of grace, the fruit of the Spirit. We like to talk about all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of, that, all of those, right? And a lot of times we forget one, self-control. That one's a hard one, right? Because we don't, we don't ever want to discipline ourselves to, you know, to, to not do certain things. You know, because look, our flesh loves to do certain things. You know, and so that one's a hard one. But it's there. And then the Apostle Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. He adds these. Alongside those fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit that we have. And I want to read this to you because it's very, very important. Listen to this, what the Apostle Peter says. 2 Peter chapter 1. And he says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God's grace. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We cannot point a finger and say, you never did it. He has given us everything we need to live a holy and a godly life. A life that is fruitful. A life that is pleasing to him. A life that is an example of who Christ is to the world. And he says, listen. Through these things, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature of Christ. Right? That is why we are reconciled. So that we can be God's children. Like Jesus is, his child. God reconciled us so that in other words, the apostle John, I think, calls even Jesus our elder brother. Now we are 
reconciled. We are God's family. So there's expectation. God gives his grace to us. God expects fruit from that. So listen now as he continues. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, listen. Make every effort. Make every effort, church, to add to your faith goodness. To goodness, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. There it is again. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness or mutual affection. And to mutual affection or brotherly kindness, love. Listen. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective. To receive God's grace in vain is to be emptied, to be void, to not be able to accomplish anything because you have trampled his grace under your feet. But when we, when we have received God's grace effectively, which is the antonym or the opposite of in vain, then our lives begin to bear these kind of fruit. You understand, church? So it will, if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective. In other words, grace will be at work in us. Hallelujah. Listen, and unproductive. How many of us as believers are unproductive today? Ineffective. We declare through our mouths that we are Christians, but in our lives it says a different message. And different messages being sent. Listen, we need to be real, church. The world is being real. Listen to me. When they say they're going to do something, when they say they're going to make this month LGBTQ, whatever, month, they mean it. When they say they're only going to have one day for Thanksgiving, they mean it. One day to give God thanks, a month to celebrate sin. Listen, church, they mean it. When they say they're coming after your children, they mean it. And my children, they mean it. But they will never touch my children. Because every day they're under God's grace. And they're in covenant with God. And you need to make sure that that's the truth. That's what happens to your children in your house. Present your children to God every day. Pray over them. Even when they're not in your presence, pray over them. Every time you leave your house, they leave your house, pray for them. I declare to your church, pray every time you leave your house. Cover yourself. Because you don't know what will happen out there. Because we have a real enemy. And his design is to bring us back to that place of irreconciliation with God and to kill us. To cut us off. So that we cannot be fruitful for God in God's kingdom. And so we must be effective and, and, and productive for God in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, in our knowledge, that means that we need to be in God's word. So we're learning more about Jesus every day. We're learning more. We're becoming more like him in our attitude, our actions, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, uh, that I, oh, that I might know him, hallelujah. Do you want to know him today, church? You've got to spend time in it with him. You've got to be in the word of God, in prayer. You've got to fast. You've got to do whatever it takes. You've got to make, make, make uh, 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 certain sacrifices. Look, 
There's all, we're busy every day. Things of life make us busy. But you've got to make the sacrifice to spend the time with the Lord so that his grace might be, 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 be poured out over you so that you won't be ineffective as a believer or unproductive in your relationship with God. You must allow time and space for God to operate in your life. Listen, I could go on. Listen, I, I, listen, but whoever, he says but in verse 9, but whoever does not have these things are nearsighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins, that they are new creations in Christ. We become very forgetful if we're not careful. I said it again. We become very forgetful, two minutes, and if we're not careful, because if we're not careful, we go through a day, and then it becomes two days, three days, four days, and we have not engaged the Lord. The Holy Spirit cannot operate in our lives. We cannot become productive. We can't give life to anybody else. We can transfer what God has given to us so that he can flow out of us and to other people. We cannot speak life into people because we don't have it to give. Because we have not gone to the reservoir. We don't have out of our bellies rivers of living water is not flowing. Because we have stepped on God's grace. Trampled the Son of God under our feet. Because we have said, I don't want it. I, 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 one foot in, one foot out. I, I still want what the world has to offer me. I don't, I, I don't want to spend the time. I don't want to commit so that I can become effective and productive and experience the grace of God. Now, if I have a need, I want to be able to come to him. Say, God, provide for me. Bless me. Bless me. Listen to me. If you are in, in step with the spirit of God, if you're in step, there are things that you won't even have to ask God for. Listen, there's so much grace being poured upon you, upon your life, that it comes. By the time you pray, it happens. Come on, church. By the time you say, Lord, can you, it's done. Because you're his child. You are in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit so you won't fulfill the, the lustful desires of the flesh. And if we're in step, then God's grace is sufficient. It's always available. His provisions are always there. Jesus says, look, the birds of the ear, they don't lack. Yet our Heavenly Father provides for them. Aren't you better than birds to him? More, yeah? Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you better than birds to our Heavenly Father? So he says, look, he will give you whatever you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6. And all those things that you desire will be added to you. Well, I declare to you today that if his grace is at work in you, then all these things will be given to you. It will be done for you. But what are you doing with the grace of God, his graciousness, his merciful kindness? Have you stepped on it? Are you stepping on it? Or are you just living on the frills, the edge, because you know that he loves you? No, don't do that. Just bow your heads with me. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome 
into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I urge you, because it's easy to forget, I urge you, do not forget the grace of God. Do not receive it in vain, church. Make sure that your life is becoming effective and productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God is available for you today. If you're here, and I know it was offered earlier on, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't given your heart to him, but you know now that God has loved you so much that he allowed his son to die for your sin so that you don't have to experience God's judgment. And if you would like to give your heart to Jesus today, now is the time. Just raise your hand up and just say, I would like to give my heart to the Lord. We've got folks here who will pray for you and will lead you into the, into the sinner's prayer. But if you're here today and you know that you have walked away from the Lord, even though you're coming to church, but it's become something you do by route to come to church, but you're not in step with the Spirit, you're not walking with the Lord, you're not enjoying the gift of His grace, you need to be restored today. You need to repent. You need to come back to the Lord. If you're here and you're suffering silently, I ask you today to just raise your hand if you would like us to pray for you. Praise God. Okay, we're going to go into communion right now. And I'm going to ask you that as you come for communion, that you make it right with the Lord. Don't just come and do it because it's something we do every, every week. It's important. Jesus said when he took the cup at the last supper, he said, it is the covenant of my blood shed for many. His blood meant, meant something and it means something. Don't, don't, don't take communion today just because it's available. Take it remembering. Jesus says as often as you do it, Remember my death till I come. Remember what I did for you at Calvary on the cross. Remember, it's because of my love for you why I died. So I invite you now, let's stand to our feet. And let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much today. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Your grace is enough. It is sufficient to keep us. Through your grace, Jesus came. You demonstrated your love for the world by allowing your son to come, to die in my place, in our place. The handwriting, the sentence of death from sin that I deserve was written against me. But Jesus took it, hallelujah, and nailed it to his cross and forgave me, forgave us. And so today we are so thankful for your love. As we come, Lord, now to share, Lord, in this supper, Lord, we call communion. Lord, may it be the communion of the Spirit. May it be a time when our hearts would be joined to you again. When we would be reconciled to you again. When we would evaluate our relationship and, and make sure that and leave here with a desire to be effective and productive for your kingdom. That our lives might bear fruit, Lord God, worthy of you, of your love. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.